Good morning and a blessed Palm Sunday to all at United Church of Marco Island. In different places this morning, yes, but still united as one body. I have two scripture passages that I'm going to share with you today. The first is the account of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. The story of the triumphal entry, this is from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside the street and tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And then a second scripture for you all this morning. As you know, I've been preaching a series of sermons on the eight signs in John's gospel that indicate that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And we turn to yet another sign, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. This is John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about five thousand of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. The Passover festival. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, 2.7 million people were present. It was a parade bigger than the Macy's Day Parade. It was a parade that was absolutely huge, bigger than the Rose Bowl Parade. All of the Jews had gathered together for this great event, and they all expected a king to come and to save them. Not to save them from their sin, but to save them from the Romans. And today was the day that he would show up, would flex his military muscles, and would save them going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the military might of Rome. The people waved palm branches, nationalistic symbols like flags you might see on television today, waved by countries who are underneath a political regimes or needing military help. And they held palm branches in their hand and they screamed out, Hosanna, Hosanna, meaning save us now, not save us from our sin, but save us from the Romans. And the king that they had prayed for, the king that was coming to liberate them from the Jews, the king that was coming to free them from persecution, to go head to head against Rome, was said to finally be arriving. And here he comes, the King of Kings, Braveheart's William Wallace, saddled on a noble steed, Davy Crockett, a king who would clearly be able with military might to look squarely into the eyes of Rome and to rescue the Jewish people. A poor 33-year-old shows up riding on a donkey. It was not the king they expected. You see, the Jews wanted this king to be the king that they had created in their own image. The king that would come on their own terms to help and save them from the Romans. But the king who showed up was a far different kind of king. A king who would come to establish a kingdom that looked very, very different from all of the kings and kingdom of this world. Each Palm Sunday, a choice comes our way. And that choice is, if we are part of the Palm Sunday crowd, if we are part of that crowd on the Passover feast, if we are the people who worship the king, then we have to decide do we worship Jesus the King, made out into our own image like all the other worldly kings of our time? Or do we worship Jesus the King, the one who comes to save us from our sin, the one who comes to establish a kingdom not of this world, but rather a kingdom 
of heaven on earth. Which king do we worship on this Palm Sunday? Over the centuries, Christians have often decided to worship Jesus on their own terms, shaping Jesus into the king that they want Jesus to be as opposed to the king that Jesus was. And one of those places in Scripture very clearly is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 in John chapter 6. Remember that story? Once upon a time, Jesus fed the masses, 5,000 people out of a food that could have fit into a lunchbox. And after demonstrating this powerful miracle for the people and showing to them that he was the Son of God and the Messiah, the people responded to that power by noting that this would clearly be the right kind of person that they needed to go head to head against Rome. John puts it this way. John says that the people attempted to make Jesus their king by force. But you know what Jesus did in John 6? Jesus would have none of it. Jesus instead retreated to a place by himself because Jesus only wanted to be king on Jesus's terms. They made him a king by force. They made him a king by force. In other words, they had this image in their mind of who they wanted Jesus to be as king, and they wanted Jesus to be the kind of king that was shaped into their own personal image and self-interest. And throughout the centuries, Christians have done this. Christians have said, I want Jesus to be a military king who supports my own safety and security. I want Jesus to be a king who backs up my own biblical interpretations. I want Jesus to be a king who supports my opinions. I want Jesus to be the king that I want Jesus to be insofar as it serves my own needs and purposes. John chapter 6, verse 15. The people tried to make Jesus into a king by force. But Jesus retreated from that. Jesus wanted to be a very different kind of king. And our option on Palm Sunday is, will we worship Jesus as the king of this world? The king we have shaped him into thanks to our worldly views and personal selfish views? Or will we worship the king of kings who is not of this world? Over the centuries, Christians have done a terrific job of shaping Jesus into their own image. I remember uh, that commercial from Canon Cameras back in uh, 1990 starring Andre Agassi, a commercial that simply shared back with the world that image is everything. David Kinnaman, a well-known author and uh, Christian theologian, uh, shared that image management in our country is a multi-billion dollar industry. In our world, image is everything. And what have we tried to do over the centuries? Shape Jesus into the image of Jesus that we want him to be. For some of us, it's been a worship of a military king. 
You know, a king who would be mighty and powerful, who can get revenge against our own enemies, a king who will keep us safe and secure, and insofar as Jesus does that, well, then we'll worship Jesus on those terms. We've also worshiped Jesus as a political king. You know, a, a king that most like the politicians in our world can provide for us what it is that we want to see. Whether we're a Republican or whether we are a Democrat or whether we're an Independent, we just sometimes worship Jesus as a political king. And so far, Jesus supports my political point of views, then I'll worship Jesus. And over the centuries, too, I think we have worshiped Jesus as a financial king. You know, much like Caesar and Herod of Jesus' day, uh, the kind of king that insofar as he answers my prayers and brings about my own materialistic blessings, then I'll worship that king. And two, we worship Jesus as an attractive king. You know, uh, the king that we want him to be that has an attractive image that much like Pilate and Caesar and Herod will flatter on the televisions and look good in Hollywood and insofar as our king looks good, well, then we'll worship that version of the earthly king that we have created for ourselves. You know, John chapter 6, verse 15 is so true, not just of those who experience the miracle of feeding the 5,000, but for all of us. They decided to make Jesus their king by force. But thanks be to God, Jesus wanted nothing of it. For the king who came riding into Jerusalem on that Passover festival day, the king who came into that parade with 2.7 million people lining the streets, waving their palm branches, was a king who wanted the entire world to know publicly that he was going to be a very different kind of king. That he would not secure the people's wealth or material happiness or political needs or even military needs to go up against Rome on Rome's terms. Rather, Jesus would say back to the people and riding on that donkey into Jerusalem, I want to let you know I'm a far different kind of king. And my kingdom will be defined by love, mercy, forgiveness, and service. And insofar as you put your trust in me, your destiny will be eternal. I mean, really and truly, for all of us who are part of the Palm Sunday crowd, that is the decision we must make. Will we worship Jesus as just another king of this world, crafted in our own image? Or will we worship Jesus, the heavenly king? I don't know about you, but part of what this uh, coronavirus has done for me is it has opened my eyes and illumined for me just how worldly and futile the kings and queens of our world are. For as we try to wrestle and come to terms with uh, such a hard event in the course of our nation's history and in the course of the world's history, part of what we've been reading about in the news and watching on television has been this limitation of the kings and queens of our world to get a hold of this and to help us. And part of what I need, and perhaps part of what you need in the midst of all of this, is not another worldly king, 
but rather a king who is far more powerful, who can bring about hope, healing, and an eternal future like no other king can. Speaking of the coronavirus, one of the hardest hit areas, of course, recently has been the city of New Orleans. And the city of New Orleans has, of course, over the years in a um, very interesting and perhaps mysterious way been hit by a lot of different tra tragedies, including uh, Hurricane Katrina. And I'm reminded of the story of just following Hurricane Katrina, all of the uh, relief workers who were there uh, and were on the ground. And there was a television segment that was covering the relief workers who were there and on the ground. And uh, the television segment was interviewing two different women who both worked for FEMA, who were responsible for being first responders. And they hadn't slept for almost 48 hours because they were distributing food and helping people in need. And the television reporter asked this first woman who worked for FEMA, how did you get through all of this? You know, 48 hours, not sleeping, all of this death and destruction. How did you get through it all? And the woman at that moment looked down at her bright yellow Lance Armstrong bracelet. Remember those yellow neon bracelets that were so powerful back in 2004? And she held her bracelet up for the television camera and said, Every time I really felt as though I had no strength to go on, I would look down at this bracelet and I would remind myself that I'm a lot like Lance Armstrong, who can ride his bike through the French Alpine mountains and make it through. And she shared with the entire world on national television that there was this king of this world who would give her great strength every time she needed it. And all she needed to do was look down at that bracelet and be reminded of him as king. But then the television reporter turned to the other female worker who had also been away for 48 hours helping and assisting. And the reporter asked her, well, how about you? How did you find a way to make it through? Where did you go to rely on for strength? And this woman was a strong Christian. And she said, I put my trust in the one who can move those French Alpine mountains right out of the way. That is the decision that we're left with on Palm Sunday. Will we put our trust in the kings of this world to give us the strength and peace we need to be delivered and to persevere? Or will we put our trust in the king of kings, the one who comes to establish the kingdom of heaven, the one who can feed 5,000 out of a lunchbox and move mountains and go about providing healing and hope and an eternal destiny in ways that no other earthly king can. Which will we choose? If this morning you're tuning in and you're still wondering, is this king of kings, this heavenly king, this one who comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey to establish a kingdom that no one has ever seen before. If he really is who he says he is, should I put my trust in him more than any other king? Should I? Well, if you're still on the fence, 
I'll share with you this. I dare you to tune in next Sunday. Amen.